0: Welcome to Green and Red, Scrappy Politics for Scrappy People,
1: a regular podcast on radical environmental and anti-capitalist politics. Brought to you by Bob Bezanko and Scott Parkin.
2: Welcome to the sweet and sultry sounds of the Green and Red podcast. I'm your co-host, Scott Parkin in Berkeley, California. And as always, I am joined by... In sultry, Houston, Texas. <laughs> where it's still,
0: like,
2: in the 90s, Bob Bezanko. Bob, I, before we get started, I just want to send some condolences that your bid for the speakership didn't really work out this week, and instead, we've got MAGA Mike Johnson from Louisiana as the new speaker of the house. Yeah, I, I didn't. I should have played the Bible card a little bit more. I just carried my Bible <laughs> with me a little maybe, bit more. And... Maybe you can write a memoir and call it Happened." so... <laughs> <laughs> It's, <laughs> that joke this never, is, gets, a, old. This that is joke never gets old. This is a banana republic. I mean, it's a
0: banana republic when a guy like that, no one had ever heard of who's just utterly fucking insane, is now like the third most powerful person
2: in the government, yeah. right? Yeah. And, like he's a, he was like a insurrection plotter or whatever you call him. Em- Emmer,
0: Emmer was too liberal and they had to decap him. So it's a scary, it's scary shit. It's, yeah. we're gonna talk a
2: little bit more about politics later. It's, Mike, we could call Mike Johnson the Jim Jordan without the baggage. If you will.
0: Yeah, like why did they that's how bad think of how bad Jordan is and how disliked he is. That they got rid of him and they got a guy who maybe even crazier. Absolutely. Jim Jordan with a jacket on. But yeah, it's a that party is just showing terrifying it's scary. And they're winning. <laughs> and they're winning.
2: And they're and they're doing really well. Yeah. Uh so folks, we're going to, we got a a show for you today, some mostly not happy news, happy topics, but we do feel like it's informative and scrappy for sure. We're going to kick off with this, we'll call it this week in radical history, but actually some of what I have is this month in radical history. I'll, I'll kick it off with on, because we actually haven't done one of these in a while. On October 5th in 1983, the U.S. invaded the Caribbean island of Grenada which was to protect U.S. citizens. But we all know it was really to assert U.S. dominance over the region. It was called Operation Urgent Fury. The U.S. uh, administration, which was Ronald Reagan at the time, said it was to protect and evacuate med students uh, who were at a medical school school on the island. But it was really just, uh, there's a long history of, of U.S. force and dominance in the Caribbean and the U.S., which also had taken some hits in the public eye on foreign policy, most notably a bombing of a Marine barracks in Beirut, was just trying to flex a little muscle and ma- let the world know that there's still a strong-armed predator, which is some of what we're going to talk about today. Also, I just do want to note, this is this is less, less discussed, but there were 118 offshore banks in St. George's, which is the capital of Grenada, but there's only 7,500 people, and so that's one bank for every 64 people the wall street journal actually noted in 1991 that saint george's had become a casablanca of the caribbean a fast-growing haven for money laundering tax evasion and assorted financial fraud so there's some of the reason that we uh, the u.s intervenes in you know uh, wasn't it smedley butler who called himself a muscle for the gangsters of capitalism gangster
0: of capitalism. yeah yeah the the invasion of grenada was also the best demonstration of the reagan doctrine which is that the united states will intervene to protect uh, students whose MCATs weren't good enough to get into any credible law schools. I believe Saul Wellman was, or Saul Goodman, I'm sorry, was was uh, going to go there, but then he got into Samoa instead. So, you
2: know, he decided, well, he decided to go to law. He decided to go, pre, he was pre-law. He decided to go pre-law, not pre-med. <laughs> yeah, pre-med. That's right. Like, uh, what was it? Animal House. Otter. Otter right? Eric Strapp.
0: You're pre-law. You're pre-med. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, the only real history thing I have today is a, a reprise of something we did last year. And. Partly, I want to mention this because we're re-releasing it, but last year in October, we did what I think is one of our best shows ever, like really one of my top three probably, which was a really great show on the the 60th anniversary last year, of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And it was like, we used the latest scholarship in it just utterly just destroyed this whole idea that Kennedy was a peacemaker and that he was going to bring a new world. And it's too bad he's not around right now. Everything would be different, right? But it was one of our best shows where we, you know, just got into the documents and described it fairly narrative basis, how the Cuban Missile Crisis really played out and how reckless and provocative JFK actually was during the whole thing. And uh, and that took place over the course of a couple of weeks, actually, in October of 1962. And so we'll be reprising that. But I think it's also something to understand because the event itself is obviously of utmost importance because it was one of the times, the other was the the 1973 um, Ramadan or Yom Kippur or, or October War, whatever you want to call it, where the United States was actually on its highest nuclear alert. And um, so it's important for that regard, but it's also important, I think, to understand the way history is done, and especially something that we talk about like, so much, right, which is that's Kennedy mythology. And the missile crisis is a huge part of that. You know, This is like Oliver Stone says, after the missile crisis, Kennedy had seen the light that he had his road to Damascus, and he was a Going to work for peace from that point on, and we showed undeniably, indisputably, that just was not the case. Kennedy was reckless; he was provocative. And if anybody deserves a pat on the back, it would have been Khrushchev at the time, uh, and of course the sub commander whose name escapes me right now. So anyway, that was uh, sixty-one years ago this month, and it's worth remembering. and, and Check us out. Um, we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna reissue, uh, reprise that in the best of.
2: We should by the by the time you see this, it'll be it'll already be up
0: yeah and it's it's really one of my favorites it's something i've worked on a long time i i know quite well i feel really proud and, and confident about it anyway yeah that's,
2: it's a great uh, it's, a, it's a great episode and it's very informative and it's not fabricated or exaggerated history you might hear in other sectors
0: yeah it's like uh, oliver it's stone, stone like, you know david mammoth has written a movie about jfk that's being produced or something now i don't know what it's about but mammoth's and I will probably love it because he's a Trump guy now, so I don't know. But at any rate, the, today's scrappy rant, whatever you want to call it, everybody's talking about Gaza, and I don't really have anything meaningful to add to that. It's just so horrifying and horrific. But what I do, what does really annoy me, particularly this week, is actually more, obviously, what's happening in Gaza. It's just, a, it's an atrocity of immense proportions. It is ethnic cleansing. It is a war crime. Any of those words and descriptions apply. But... um What's really also standing out is, is the domestic consequences of this. Joe Biden, who's never been popular, is going into a free fall, a really rapid free fall. And it's making it more likely, and in fact, I think likely, that, that Trump will win in, in 2024. And when that happens, you know, who's going to get the blame for it? You know, It's, it's going to be the people who've been most loyal and reliable for the Democrats. They're going to get blamed for it, especially in this particular case, young people. And Biden is just, so a new poll came out yesterday. He's down to 37% nationally, which is the lowest he's been. I think it reaches, it matches as low. But among Democrats, in, in two weeks, he's fallen 11 points. So from 86% approval to 75% approval. The biggest hits he's taken, not surprisingly, are among young people, obviously Muslim Americans, Arab Americans. He's, his, even before this, his numbers uh, among Hispanics and African-Americans are, are terrible, right? Which is yeah. like blacks are supporting Donald Trump, right? It's it's just, and we can talk all we want about how crazy Trump supporters are. and There's plenty of evidence there, but when you're supposed to be the opposition party and you don't provide anything for people and you engage in, in, in these kinds of policies and you start sending $105 billion most recently, to Israel and Ukraine, and I think Taiwan gets a little chunk of that too, uh, while you're ignoring just the the, the immense and escalating problems here in the United States. It's real hard to to make a case for this guy, and yet they're cramming it down your throat, right? Most Democrats don't want him to run it again. It doesn't matter. It's really terrifying because you would think at the White House they would have access to these polls, I don't know, in the New York Times, so I would think they've seen them. And i just like, what, what? how do they process that? Like they see this and they say, oh shit, we're at 37% and we've lost 11 points and the kids and African-Americans and all these people who usually vote for us, they're pissed off. So let's just keep doing what we do and cram it down your throat. Even
2: before October 7th, there was yeah. this decline in Biden's popularity amongst the, some of those demographics. Definitely youth are very unhappy with him. He's been balking on student debt relief. He does very little to address the climate. He, you know, greenlights big carbon bomb climate projects. It's a it's polls very high as an issue with the climate crisis polls very high as an issue with under 30s and healthcare and honestly medical marijuana or or excuse me, legalizing marijuana. marijuana. Yeah. And it and it's and and now they've really dove into an issue which has is really upset a lot of people under 30. And that's who carried them in 2022 and 2020 and 2018 that's who was mobilized and these senate races that we saw win in places that we didn't think we were going to win them like in georgia that was youth turning out for them that's how they carried georgia and arizona which had been like longtime republican states it's it's actually pretty amazing the the lack of the I, i don't want to even call it tone deafness but the complete sheer blindness of who's carried them and they're trying to play to these white suburbanites who have pat posted voted republican in the past and just have a distaste for trump so that's how the the clintons yes. and the bidens and the obamas think they're going to win it's, it's where it's been really what we would probably call progressives in the democratic party which have really like held the line and i have a whole other thing about some of the progressive politicians in the democratic party which are actually also selling those people out too but we can talk about that in a minute
0: yeah, he's looking at, at, I think the analysis, the, the you know, assumption is that, that a lot of these, especially young people, I, if you look at the polling, like people, I believe 44 is one of the cutoffs that didn't grab a cutoffs. So older people over like 44 50 or something like that are, are very supportive of Israel, but below that, not at all. Right. And, and he's basically, I think his assumption is, look, you guys aren't going to vote for Trump. I'm not even worried about you. I don't care. And this is what the Democrats have always done, right? It's the most important election of our lifetime. And it's an existential level and all the same rhetoric that you've been hearing since 1968,
2: right? Vote, vote blue no matter who. Vote blue.
0: And, and so I think the assumption is like, you guys, you can bitch all you want about me. You're going to vote for me no matter what. And so if I can pull off some of these people who, and there are plenty of Republicans who are disgusting with Donald Trump. Trump did, obviously. He got his guy in as the uh, Speaker of the House. But even congressional Republicans don't represent any longer the majority of the Republican party. What's really bizarre and creepy is that the GOP establishment is actually harder on Trump, right? People like Mitch McConnell, the GOP, Republican senators hate Trump. They want him gone. And Chris Christie, the people running for president, they want Trump gone. Republican media, Wall Street Journal, they want Trump gone. Fox News has been like really hitting Trump. hard. Fox News has been covering like how freaking senile Trump is getting, right? They're harder and hold, more accountable, holding Trump to more account than the Democrats are for Biden. Democrat yeah. party, yeah. Like, we're not going to let anybody else run. And they just cram him down your damn throat.
2: Yeah. New York, yeah. New York times editorial board is hundred percent behind Biden and his policies where you don't see the wall street journal is more behind Biden than, than Trump. This is I think the last time I joked that this is what a Scoop Jackson presidency would look like.
0: Actually, that's not true because Jackson would have spent way more money on domestic programs. But Scoop Jackson was a, a senator uh, from Washington, and the one of the ultimate Cold War liberals, like he's like JFK. They called him the senator from Boeing, right? He never met a defense bill he didn't love, yeah. and he would always add more to it. And he was like as big a supporter of Israel as as anybody in the Senate. Scoop Jackson, Hubert Humphrey, and all those kind of Democrats were always uh, identified with Israel. And what we're seeing now is basically a, a 1967 presidency, a six-day war presidency. Yeah. And Biden is just in this time warp where he's still fantasizing about this old coalition with labor. And this is a, an, a unique opportunity, right? The UAW just settled on, it seems like pretty good terms, right? At, at least with Ford. Yeah. And he's pissing this all away. He's just saying, you know what, uh, my priorities are Ukraine and, and Israel, uh, and let's say you, Ukraine aside is, is different, right? But, and that war I think needs to end because it's a, it's a bloodbath, but you Gaza's clear cut. It's not complex. There's oh, there's such a, no, it's not. Gaza's actually pretty easy to figure out. I was like a teenager the first time I read about this. I'm like, this isn't that hard. This makes sense, right? You have an occupying yeah. force. And so he's aligned, not just getting involved in Russia and Ukraine clearly carries risks. And it's just an utter huge waste of. Resources and it's a risk of widening conflict in Europe, but this is just a a, 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 a war crime, a, a, an atrocity of of immense proportions. Uh, Gaza is about twenty five miles long, by five or six miles wide. That's it. That's like a a city, like an American city, right? It's a, not even a big American city, and there's two million people in that area and it's not being alarmist to see to say that you could see hundreds of thousands or millions you know it's there the if there's a landed a land invasion of gaza is just it's just surreal and mm-hmm. you're seeing these like the sky is lit up with these with these bombings they're attacking hospitals they're killing journalists journalists are on the air and they discover that the families have just been murdered i know people in houston who've lost Twenty, twenty-five family members, right? Because everybody's packed together in a in an apartment building or in a hospital. And Israel is bombing the bottom floors. So the hospital's pancake. And
1: just, it is
0: just a a criminal. It violates international law. It violates Nuremberg. And and Biden is all in on this. And if you disagree with them, you know what? You're anti-Semitic
2: yeah and not only that but you're being targeted like you could lose your job you can lose your you could lose your speaking engagement you can lose your platform and and that that there's a lot of that happening too it's interesting the i think the the death toll i heard today is is about 7000 killed and that's what's been put out by the Gaza health ministry which well, is actually who
0: can, who can trust
2: the Gaza health ministry yeah but it's amazing like that is like a recognized yeah, a, a recognized source of information. Let's just yeah. say that, that was one the of the Bi- more. The Biden administration were, came out and attacked them. That's one of the more
0: filthy things he's done. Like yeah. you can't trust the Gaza health ministry, which just has like an international credibility, and which has actually put out names and identifying information about the people who've been killed. Yeah. And then he says, "I'm sure innocents die," but that's what happens. That's one of the pro- you know, problems you have in the war, right? And, and too bad today, all these Democrats are weeping crocodile tears about these this horrible shooting in Maine, right? And they're they yeah. they don't see the connection like between violence and the use of of, of force and murder. Hey,
2: and that are, supposedly they led shooters into an, an, an army reservist, a weapons trainer. Yeah, yeah. I, like you can't condemn what's going on in
0: Maine and then turn around and spend a hundred billion dollars for weapons to to brutalize Gaza. It's just a civilian population. Is a, yeah, Gaza's. I don't think. And of course, you can't even talk about this, like you said, because you get canceled or you get deplatformed. I mean, it's been on a blockade since 2006. They had an election that Bush and, and Cameron insisted on an election. They have it. Hamas wins, and they were immediately blockaded. They've been on a blockade for 17 years now. Yep. And people aren't allowed out. It's just, it, it's one of the longest sieges, maybe the longest siege in, in world history. It's absolutely, it violates I think every. And so Gaza is an occupied, it's an occupied territory. It has been for 17 years. And to send that level of weaponry, oh my God, today on Facebook or one of those, there was a, a charity, which is raising money for the IDF specifically, not for like Israeli people, but the IDF, like they're getting hundreds of millions, billions of dollars from the US and they're beggaring, they're go funding, go funding for the Israeli military. It's obscene, it's filthy, and It's terrifying.
2: Yeah, okay. and we're and we're also seeing this like the Israeli military they, haven't they cut off water to Jenin in the West Bank? And well, there's no electricity. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. There's... And and then we're also starting oh, the, to see the West
0: Bank, as... start, There's more violence in the West Bank in the last three weeks than there has been. I forget in the previous, well, certainly the previous year, this year, but even maybe longer than that. Yeah, the West Bank is,
2: is you're starting to see more settlements. Yeah, it's it's. And then also conflict is going up with Hezbollah on the Lebanese border as well. And, well, then, and
0: 900 American troops arrived today. I don't know what they're doing, but the 900 troops showed up today.
2: And then also U.S. forces attacked Iran-linked ma- yeah, militias sure. or whatever in Syria. And we just did a show with Arthur Pye, who was a journalist who lived in Rojava for a year, which is how the U.S. has like also been playing this sort of game of Turkey and Syria uh, with and the Kurdish militias as well. And so the U.S. is definitely... I think I saw you say this somewhere, Bob. But like Trump is wants to foment a civil war, while Biden is trying to foment a world war. And, yeah. it, and there's also the a secret base that they've that's been revealed in the Negev Desert to monitor Iranian a potential Iranian attack on Israel. Base five twelve. So it's all pretty it's all pretty disturbing about what's potentially going to happen and how much the U.S. is just like really instigating it. another war in the Middle East.
0: Years ago, and I can't remember. What the song was, but one of the lines in it was something like, there's it's like a choice between polio and cancer. And I've used that many times, but like right now we have, and this isn't just a fictional line, and a song's like, we have a choice between civil war and, and global war or regional war. It's, it's quite amazing. And you mentioned Turkey. Erdogan has condemned the US and Israel mm-hmm. for its support. So has the, the uh, government of Colombia, which I think has expelled the Israeli ambassador today at the UN. There was a vote of honor 20 to 14. Calling for a ceasefire, of course, the US and Israel and some of their puppets voted against it. And Biden is portraying himself, the election strategy is portraying himself as this man who's like restoring America's. And the the, the op-ed people in the Washington Post, the New York Times, they, they eat this shit up, right? Max Boot and all these kinds of people like Biden is restoring America's role in the world. And in fact, obviously, quite the quite the opposite is happening. The United States is is doesn't have a whole lot of credibility or respect to begin with, and is clearly whatever goodwill it thinks it gained from aiding Ukraine, it's clearly lost twice as much of that now with, I don't think people understand just like Gaza is, there's only two places in the world that feel this way, and it's Israel and the U.S. The rest of the world, even like Macron and and Sunak uh, might be supportive. Those countries don't support what Israel's doing, whereas Americans do. And even that's turning, that's really turning. And you have, you mentioned progressive politicians like Fetterman has just been abominable on this.
2: And Sanders.
0: Sanders, you, yeah, Fetterman's been much worse. Sanders is yeah. fine. But Fetterman, the other day, there was a school in Pennsylvania and they wrote Free Palestine on it. And Fetterman said, this is anti-Semitism and blah, blah, blah. And Mickey Hilly tweeted out anti-Zionism is, is the same as anti-Semitism. And it's really scary stuff. To play that card, I anybody who's ever had that thrown at him, like I said, I've it's a very trivial thing, but I had it thrown at me at, at Pacifica radio. The, the, the good lefties. And it's something that 20 years later, it still like, infuriates me that people would call me anti-Semitic because I criticized Israel and I'm a nobody. So can you imagine like people who are actually losing their job? The head of the editor of a scientific journal retweeted an Onion article, a satirical yeah. article. Yeah. And he lost his job. He was
2: really, he was retweeted. And in Florida, DeSantis is moving to ban chapters of students for justice in Palestine at state colleges. And you know saying saying they they're terrorist argument yeah you know who attacks him
0: for that ram suwanee yeah. <laughs> ram suwanee said i agree with you but you can't do that that's a violation of their rights we believe in freedom this is is scary shit and, but yeah the democratic party on this one is fully in compliance fully complicit yeah. and, and biden is gonna lose and then when it happens they're gonna turn around and what they're, what they're gonna do they're gonna play i mean they're still doing that right It was Jesse Jackson's fault. It was Al Gore's fault.
2: Nader. uh, uh, Nader's
0: fault. And it was... uh, It was Al
2: Gore's fault, actually.
0: It was Al Gore's fault, actually. Yeah, it was uh, Bernie Sanders' fault. And it was the Greens' fault. And it was... And that's what they'll do this time. And they really don't eat... RFK Jr. is actually probably helping them, right? Actually, the Republicans' new line is that RFK Jr. is actually a Democratic plant to hurt Trump, right? (laughs) Bernie Sanders is just like, hey, can we gloat for a minute about Bernie Sanders? Yeah, there
2: I have, that, I, I, I have a thing that I've had a thing to kick off with about Sanders. Okay.
0: Well, no, I'm sorry. Can we gloat about Cornell West is what I meant to say.
2: Uh, yeah. As long as we can do Bernie Sanders too. Yeah, of course you can,
0: but Cornell West, and I take no pleasure in this because I actually do think he's a fairly important figure. When he announced his run for presidency, we were among the few people, I think in left media to say, this is a terrible idea. It's just not said it doesn't accomplish anything. And it turns out he received a campaign denotion donation from Leonard Leo who mm-hmm. also has given a shit ton of money to Clarence Thomas. And then he left the Green Party and then, and he's just uh, really looks foolish right now. Mm. And it's really embarrassing. And the thing is, if he hadn't done this, he would certainly, and he is a powerful voice for the, the Palestinians. He always has been. But like his clearly his credibility has clearly taken a fairly significant hit. So now what he says about Palestine or anything else doesn't have the same force that it would have if he had not undergone this insanity about running for president oh, and he's embarrassed himself and, and which if, is a,
2: which is a shame because in 2017 he had a very powerful voice about the, the trump the trump presidency and unite the right in charlottesville and then in 2020 during the uprisings around the murder of george, police murder of george floyd he was yeah. a, quite a powerful voice as well
0: i once told one of my wives if you just listen to me and do everything i say we'll be fine that's why it's an ex-wife. But if these people would just listen to Green and Red Podcast and like yeah. just do what we say, things would be fine, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. It would be like three bubble up and rainbow stew <laughs>
2: But hey, the last the thing I want to hit on like with Gaza and progressive politicians is there's two different things here. One is about a week ago, Jewish forces for peace did an occupation of the capital. Very hundreds of people risking arrest. It was a very powerful action. Rashida sleep actually who's the only Palestinian-American member of Congress, spoke to them. And so it's led to Marjorie Taylor Greene filing a motion to censor uh, Rashida Tlaib in the House, where it accuses Tlaib of leading an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol complex for speaking to protesters advocating for a ceasefire of the Hamas-Israel War. And so I just want to say, just note a couple of things. One, I don't know if the person who actually says that there's Jewish space lasers trying to destroy the country really has any credibility <laughs> in defending the, well, well, the she sovereignty the, of israel
0: she can call in the gazpacho police
2: <laughs> exactly yeah. and so i just want and, and it's also yeah. ironic that a peaceful sit-in in in the capital rotunda or whatever is quite different than what the insurrection in which green helped facilitate in january 6 2021 so i just want to put that out there and, and then the other but the
0: thing is like how many democrats do you think will vote for that? obviously it's going to pass right
2: yeah, because let's have a majority.
0: There could be a significant number of Democrat votes for that too.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure I, it'll probably just be a handful of people who vote against it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But you and know, then, I, actually, sorry, let me interrupt for a minute because I, I just thought of something. You mentioned uh, Rashid Tlaib is the only Palestinian American. The first Palestinian American in Congress was actually Republican Justin Amash, mm-hmm. who from Michigan, who's a, a libertarian. Mm-hmm. And last week, three of. Very close family members were killed in Gaza, mm-hmm. and he's been quite upset about it. So quite vocal, quite vocal about quite it, quite vocal about it as
2: well. Yeah,
0: and he's more of a libertarian, kind of a Rand Paul foreign policy. Well, know. he
2: was actually thinking about running as a libertarian in twenty twenty against Trump, I believe. Oh, okay. In okay. the r- r- libertarian ticket, and then he decided. To oh, win. Trump!
0: Trump caught a break today. Larry Elder's not running against him. He's decided against the campaign. So
2: I'm sure the Trump people are relieved. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're i'm sure they're breathe a, a sigh of relief
0: but the, um, the point was like even this like this republican congressional like congressman has suffered like
2: personally have people die yep and in the past we've seen a lot of arab americans have actually before probably before bush invaded iraq and afghanistan it's like arab americans also trended republican at, at some level right correct
0: in 2000 i remember because houston has a fairly large Arab population in two thousand, they supported Bush because, weirdly enough, I'm not going to go through long history lesson. Bush and Baker actually probably stood up.
2: Daddy the, Bush, oh, Daddy, the, Bush.
0: The, the da- Daddy Bush, especially, but but even the kid stood up to Israel probably more than other administrations have. What was the article? You may have even put it out from the Guardian. It was a two thousand eight, I think, where yeah. Bush said that Gaza explicitly said Gaza has to end the occupation. Israel has to
2: end the occupation of Gaza. This yeah. is
0: George Bush Jr
2: right yeah so it was, it was yeah. right right as he was leaving office
0: yeah
2: it's true and, uh, I mean we have also seen where you know Baker said talking about Jewish voters fuck them they don't vote us for it though they, yeah. they yeah, don't vote for said, us anyway Bob Dole when the Cold War was winding down actually advocated to have a 10 percent reduction in military aid to Israel and the Israel lobby completely shut that down
0: yeah Ron Paul. The guy who used to be in Congress, he's retired. I've actually spoken to him a couple of times. And he said that he and Dennis Kucinich used to work together. So we were always trying to get aid to Israel cut. That was like one of his pet issues. But, and then we will have to do just a show just at one point, just on like why the United States supports Israel so much, because the common idea is it's because of AIPAC, but there's actually so much more to it than that. And oh, just that we also have a couple of really good shows going on. We're going to talk to a Palestinian scholar. So, and then we're going to have on one of the best people in the entire English speaking world who studies on the media and, and Israel and Palestine, great feedback. So yep. we've got a couple of really good, good yep. shows coming up on this stuff. but I'm sorry for interrupting.
2: So. The other thing I want to say about progressive politicians is that you know, we're still seeing where Jewish forces for peace and if not now and and militant anti-Zionist Jewish orgs in the U.S. are going out and doing actions every day. And just yesterday, they did sit-ins on the Hill targeting Hakeem Jeffries and the Democratic Majority Whip. And then a, a third politician named Bernie Sanders actually had a sit-in. And it's quite interesting because a couple of weeks ago, we actually saw Code Pink do a sit-in in his office around, I believe, actually support for Ukraine. And all of the progressive left were like, "They there could have been more of a strategic target is really burning the person to be going after all that sort yeah, of thing that's the person you go after yeah yeah it is the person you go after and a, a lot of those people in the progressive left if that's what we want to call them the Jacobin and majority report types now are all like we need to go after sanders because he supports he doesn't support a ceasefire blah, Speaking blah, of the progressive le- oh go ahead no that was of a-
0: progressive left the nation is really like it's descent into being dismal and irrelevant is really accelerated. There was an article in it this week from Boris He's who's pretty well on left historian. He's been around a long time. And he's written like books on, I think he he wrote a book about like, comparing the old left and the new left. And he's he wrote this piece in in the nation, which was really slanderous, where he announced that he was leaving DSA and he's been in DSA forever. DSA used to be something called DSOC, the Democratic Socialist Organizing Committee. And I was actually starting a campus chapter of that. And then in DC, I was active in it. And I finally, after a while, didn't take long, just quit going to the meetings and stuff because one issue could not talk about at all was Israel. Yeah. And so Morris Sisterman wrote this really slanderous piece, essentially accusing people on the left of being anti-Semitic. And then, there was a rejoinder to it, but still like the fact that nation, the nation is not obliged to portray both sides, especially when one side is so freaking obscene and vile, right? And so you, I'm sorry, but you, you know, you're know you talking about the progressive left and it's just people who would call them. Today, I was listening to, I don't even know who it was. And the guy started, I was just a podcast pop up in, in queue. And the guy started, I'm a leftist Jew. And I always thought that I took the side of the Palestinians. And then, but, and after 30 more seconds, I just turned it off because this has become the new thing. Like I'm a progressive leftist or I'm a progressive Jew or I'm a leftist. Well, you're all anti-Semitic. Yeah. It's it's terrifying as
2: well. Yeah, we saw Naomi Klein do that too a couple weeks ago. Who's that? Naomi Klein did that as well. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, I've never been the biggest fan of Naomi Klein. She's overhyped, but yeah, that was,
0: it's common, right? It's not quite Amy Schumer, but who put out a really racist, actually, cartoon today on social media. This is ugly. And and then talk about gaslighting. These people who are active in this will will then claim, they'll, they'll put out these really ugly tropes about Muslims and in their world, everybody is Hamas and everybody deserves it. James Woods, basically calling for the annihilation of Gaza. The Woods are putting this stuff out. And then they claim that they're the victims of it all. Like, oh my God, we're, you know, we're under attack. We're under siege. And anniversary, or 50th anniversary, I'm sorry, of the Tree of Life synagogue shooting, which is a real example of violent anti-Semitism in America. And who supported those people? Who, who, who supported the guy who killed? The, the type of thought? Who supported the type of thought? They killed those people that it was that's a fucking right wing crazy anti-Semitic group of people it's like Trump's right. people right fine yeah. people right yeah. and who grieved and mourned it was the left like when there is real anti-Semitism out there the left is always an ally yeah and so to suggest that criticizing Israel is now make in their world criticizing Israel is the same as this guy who shot up the synagogue in Pittsburgh it's so filthy and obscene.
2: Yeah it's at the division, the attack that we see on people who are critical of a right-wing government, a far-right government, which is occupied territory, which has tortured and murdered people, which is now waging a, a war of ethnic cleansing and annihilation on a, a civilian, a mostly civilian population. And and that there are people who call themselves progressives and socialists who are like either being silent or supporting that is – is is. Completely offensive. It feels like we're in this lost moment, and and I'm at a loss. In some ways, I've completely just checked out on it because it's it's just so it's just full of such despair.
0: Yeah, I actually don't spend a ton of time on on Twitter, and I don't have a lot of followers. But the other day, I did put something up there, which actually got more response than usual. And I put out, i I've been a professor for a long time, and I would say. It's not like the Marxists control the academy. That's a joke. Very few people like me. But there's clearly, liberals definitely control the academic world. Absolutely. The majority, especially in the humanities, right, are, are liberal. And I have heard people my whole life, probably the majority of people I've worked with or I've been around, who are professors who speak with incredible passion about workers and African Americans and women. and They orate with, they offer panegyrics to Nat Turner and John Brown and, and the migrants who were killed by the... <laughs> The Texas Rangers and the victims of the Indian Wars and the Wobblies. And, and now in real life, when they have a chance to take this rhetoric, these ideological positions they claim to have, and they have a chance in real life to put that into practice, they support the oppressors. They support Israel, right? And it's just, it's not a sh- If you've been in academia and you're on the left, it's not a shock. It's what you expect, but it's really nauseous.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. <sighs>
0: Love me. I'm a liberal.
2: Love me. Love me.
0: Love me. So We're going to do, like I said, we have a couple of really good shows on this. And we're going to, we have other stuff in the queue as well. Right now, the whole world is focused on this issue and and it's just, in its heart, it's very depressing and bleak. And uh, I can't imagine if you have a personal, intimate stake in this. You have people in Gaza. You have people in Palestine. I can't even imagine uh, just the horror, the anxiety, the dread every day. I think... I don't know if it's helping half israel split right now 50 50 on whether there should be a land invasion and i would assume part of that has to be because of the global outcry about this so keep the pressure out there's nothing else you don't want to be alone you don't want that feeling of solitude there are a lot of other people out there who think the way
2: that we do i will say that it is quite heartening to see how many people much younger than us are not are, are against the u.s and an aid to Israel, against the u.s against israel going into gaza against what israel is doing to gaza right now it's it's only something like 25 percent 27 percent uh according to one poll i saw of people under 30 who who are actually in in favor of this at all, at yeah. all. And, and i think part of it is just the state of the world has led yeah led 50 percent of people under 30 to identify as socialists and you know that sort of trend has been happening i i actually these institutions are probably freaking out and trying to figure out how to change that i guess that's why they're banning thought on campus and stuff but still
0: yeah you don't need like some kind of sophisticated theory to understand that biden is sending hundreds of billions of dollars and focusing all his attention on this like slaughter and like at home you know Look at the the conditions we have here. Like I always say Palestine and East Palestine, like doesn't give a shit about it either one, places don't have clean water, places, people don't have healthcare. The education system is in tatters and, and the democratic party engages in performative bullshit. That's the response to all this. So yeah, it's pretty bleak, but yeah, I, I'm not shocked at all that given the world, the younger people have grown up in economic okay. crashes and pand- pandemics and terrorist attacks. And you know, climate the, crisis. The, yeah, they know that. Yeah, they just know that you can't trust anybody. You're on your own. There's people are lying to you. Yeah.
2: Anyway, uh, folks, definitely check out our repost of our anniversary of the Cuban Missile Crisis episode. And like we said, we'll have a, a we have a couple of good episodes coming up on on. Palestine. And then we actually also will be dropping a, an episode this week on the LA teacher strike, where we did this pretty fantastic interview with some God, film, it's free. It's filmmakers free. And, and one of the LA teachers. That's just about ready. It'll be coming out soon as well. And just also to plug it, we also just put out a, a episode and a webinar about the Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation, which is something big that's happened here in the Bay Area. So check that out as well. We have a lot, we have a lot of stuff coming out and we have a lot of stuff out. And so we hope you, you follow us. And if you like it, go and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you listen to us on the audio platforms, give us a rate and review. We it helps us with the algorithms. And if you want to become a donor and support us even more, go to green and and hit that support button or, or check us out on Patreon patreon become a patron at patreon and our patreon is patreon.com backslash green red podcast and everybody out there should misbehave there's a lot of people out there misbehaving right now too much love and solidarity to all those people sitting in and politicians offices and blocking war profiteering companies buildings and all that kind of shit because that's the kind of stuff we need and we'll take you take care and misbehave talk to you soon
1: Occupation is a hazardous game If you get your hands dirty It will burn you like a flame They want us to bow down Surrender our hometown For so building colonies Creating a showdown It's not political Or matter analytical It's plain it's straight war crimes Targeting civilians Northern American Indians Australian aboriginals The people of the land All wiped into oblivion There's never right To steal another people's country Your open-mess philosophy Has smothered your morality No fake excuses No media control Can cover up the crime That is vivid to us all i sure you heard a story, but not what took place. Mm-hmm. Ethnic clans are like the kind you saw in Kassaf. we protected by the powerful and treated. also lovable. Just to see if they don't know what that is. Say power is a healthy way of solving the is mm-hmm. Military power, economical power. Without continuous infusions, it wouldn't last an hour. You better stop breaking up all- Zionism, it's a racist ideology of National Socialism. United Nations Resolution 3379, you heard from the records, but not from our minds. Never give up, we're ready for the fight, we'll never give up. We struggle to survive, we'll never give up. Beloved Palestine, we're rising up to rescue Palestine. Never give up, we're ready for the fight, we'll never give up. We struggle to survive, we're rising up. In the Father, rising up. In the Father.